mountain air, cooler weather, intergenerational dialogue. These are just some of the things that made us love J.J. Gibbs. This is Logosish. Today, the intrepid youth pastor joins us from his mountain sanctuary in order to talk to us about the ins and outs of youth ministry in the time of COVID. Hey guys, welcome back to Logos-ish. We are excited to be here with J.J. Gibbs this afternoon. We are also joined by all of our regular co-hosts. Well, almost all of our regular co-hosts. Sarah should be dropping in sometime within the first 10 minutes of recording. Until then, you're stuck with me and Brian and Garrett, just like you always are. So, Brian and Garrett, how are you guys doing today? Uh, Life's pretty good right now uh just had a really awesome conversation about what we're going to do for christmas at the garden and i'm pretty excited for what we're going to be able to do we're going to be spending time outside are you just going to be singing a ton and just like hugging and breathing in each other's faces and all that good stuff so um no we're not going to be singing a ton uh the virginia annual conference just allowed us to sing outside at all and it's hilarious that what the restrictions are for that as in uh you must be socially distanced you must be in a straight line and you all have to be facing the same direction and there's actually a sentence about what direction the wind is blowing so i'm really just gonna have candlelight outside and let people do what they do I feel like we're all going to learn some kind of valuable lesson in the future from how differently COVID was handled across the country. I'm not sure what it is yet, but I know we're going to learn something. There's going to be some kind of after-school TV special about this someday. It's going to be great. Garrett, how are you doing? We're doing really well. We survived the hurricane. I actually had forgotten it was coming because unless it's like category three or higher, Floridians don't care or prepare or anything. Um, And I realized one day it was like really stormy and rainy. I was like, well, what's going on? And I looked at my phone, I'm like, oh, there's a hurricane. But also we're we're in the Christmas spirit here too. Uh, uh, We planned um, a hanging of the greens uh, service for this Sunday, right before Advent starts. And it's gonna be really cool to decorate the sanctuary as a whole service rather than just coming in to an already decorated space. So I think it'll give some people a little bit more uh, understanding of why we hang wreaths and why there are different colored candles and um, why we only use gold and white ornaments on one tree. So uh, we're, we're actually pretty excited about that because this church has never done that before and they're curious about it so i'm i'm excited for it well it's always fun to enjoy a little curiosity here and there i have nothing witty to say about that at the moment ha i've won brian you and your mustache can stand down what about you john what uh how's you have you been since last we've met 
We're good. We're stressed, but we're good. We're just kind of running around, just like you guys, trying to get stuff together, trying to sort stuff out. The Thanksgiving holiday is coming up, and we're, we've are we been doing this local radio show in Ellery, South Carolina for a while now. And so I'm putting together a, a very long sort of special Thanksgiving episode uh, with a bunch of really talented pastors from around the Southeast, including you, Garrett. Surprise! And uh, that is taking a lot of extra time. So (laughs) it's just trying to get in that task list and to move through it as fast as possible and to make sure everything gets done well. And then also to hopefully, you know, be able to live a little life and and take off some time for Thanksgiving and to, to eat and to eat and to eat some more and really celebrate Thanksgiving how we're supposed to. But we can. Yeah, that time commitment is totally why I bailed. Yeah, so we can we can put that on the back burner in a minute. But for now, let's go ahead and introduce our guest. JJ, how are you doing, man? Doing great. Excited to be here. Excited to talk with you guys about uh, different stuff as in youth ministry. So, yeah. <laughs> We're excited to have you. So, as always, you know, every week we start by just trying to figure out who you are. And I'm asking that in the, the biggest sense of the word. Who are you, JJ? Oh, it's the deepest question I've ever been asked. I am a little country boy that got to go to the big city and be a youth minister. I grew up in church. I uh, was definitely something that was uh, not an option of skipping growing up, but was I'm grateful for that now. Uh, went to a private Christian college in the middle of nowhere called Gardner-Webb University um, and really felt a calling onto my life for ministry that I tried to avoid for many years uh, because who wants to work in the church? I'm dealing with people yelling at you all the time and not liking the things that you do. Lo and behold, I ended up in the church, uh, started with uh, worship, leading music, uh, and then made the shift to children's ministry for a very, very brief period of time and ended up here in youth ministry. Currently work at Jamestown United Methodist Church in Jamestown, North Carolina. I'm just loving what I get to do every day interacting with students. That's me. Nothing too long. Very cool. I worry a little bit that you've come on this podcast and told us that one of our questions is the deepest question you've been asked like ever. You know, it, it happens. You know, people don't ask me deep questions, so. I, I don't think that says anything about us. I think that might say something about you. Yeah, I should involve myself with better people, I guess. <laughs> so, JJ, tell us why not children's ministry, since that was oh. such a brief part of that story. Yeah, why not children's ministry? I just don't connect well with little kids because I am a very sassy and sarcastic person. And that's hard to relate with a with a child on on that level. Um, but also, there's a lot of building blocks in children's ministry, giving stu- uh, children the basics of what they need to learn in our religion and in our denomination. Youth, it, it's more of got that basic knowledge. Let me expand upon that. Let me open a door. Let me think about this in a different way. Uh, whereas you know, with children's ministry, um, it's not a critical thinking aspect for them. So, I mean, children are fun, but not my cup of tea for spending that amount of time with, with children and really have, I'm not a spoon feeder type of person. And I think children's ministry involves a lot of 
Let give you step by step. So, so tell us what's the core of youth ministry then, since that's what you're passionate about. Yeah, so youth ministry for me is a place where I can help students become critical thinkers, how they can think about their faith journey for themselves. You know, for, as we're growing up, we listen to everything that our parents say. And, you know, for me growing up, everything mom said was, the truth and there could be no wrong in the things that she said until I got to college and things started not agreeing with what I learned growing up. And it's because I didn't have someone in my life um, in the church to help me rethink how my faith journey works in the real world once I have to do things on my own. And so the majority of my time with my students, um, showing them how they can live out their faith journey, and that is them being involved in their faith journey. I uh, can't expect just to show up each week and actually it's going to come to you. Uh, you have to sometimes butt heads with your parents, um, but you have to learn how to do that in the right way. Um, and so that is what I enjoy being able to unearth in students each week is how they can think about this on their own and how that's going to play out once they leave here. Um, and that's kind of what we've shifted our family ministry here to be about. Everything has to be on the same plane. We have different developing stages for children's ministry. These are things, there's certain core things they need to know before they get to youth ministry. In youth ministry, I have things that I have to teach them before they get to college, young adult ministry. Um, but making sure that that is on the same playing field. And so with making them critical thinkers, it's helping them get to a, a level within college ministry where they can start to unearth how that is going to be in everyday life, being a true follower of Christ and how that is not going to be an easy journey that we sometimes get that thought in children's ministry, like, Oh, great. I, I believe in Jesus. I'm following Jesus, my Lord and savior. That's it. That's all I've got to do. Um, and, I've noticed here at the church that I'm at now, my students think that. They were like, okay, I did confirmation. I'm good to go. I'm checking out. And then it's like, no, the faith journey doesn't end. Um, it's a continuous process where you are continually growing closer to Christ. You're growing, uh, growing closer with those around you and living out the kingdom here on earth. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I did youth ministry for about 10 years. And so I can really hear that that's actually about getting kids to know Jesus. And, and I know that a lot of youth ministry in many different places isn't actually about that. Uh, it's about, you know, what fancy trip can we take? Yes. Uh, and it's all about what fun can we have? Like how many, how many like roller skating trips can you take and things like that? When it's like, yeah, it's all great to have fun, but like, this is about people actually growing and it sounds like you're doing that. So kudos. That's really awesome. Uh, I work with uh, children and youth for a while too, maybe not 10 years, but I guess collectively close to that. But again, critical thinking was uh, really important for me. Uh, I think it's really awesome that, that you're doing that and you're pouring that into your students. You know, how is that sort of going? Are they sort of understanding that process or has there been a lot of resistance with that model versus like, you know, we've, you know, why aren't we going to like Splash Mountain this year or, or something? Yeah. So I will say, so I started last December, but I didn't really start with the kids until January. And I will say for the first three months, 
it was not even three months. It was the first month and a half because COVID shut us down in March. They resisted hardcore because the previous youth minister before me was here for 13 years. And then there was a two-year gap between me and him. And he was about the fun. That's how he drew students in. But he was also a part-time youth minister, part-time associate pastor of every single different position here at the church. And so he was just, he was stretched thin. So he couldn't focus his energy onto discipling fully with the youth. And so we struggled for the first, as COVID came along, we started meeting on Zoom and the resistance kind of backed down. But as we came back in person in August, they started to pick up on where I was going. And one student specifically pulled me to the side and was like, you know, I, I see what you're doing because what we came from was a lot of fun, like they would meet for an hour. And so 45 minutes of that hour was fun. And then there was five minutes of Jesus and then 10 more minutes of fun and you go home. And I went the opposite. I did like 30 to 45 minutes of Jesus, whether that was across large group and small groups. Um, And then the end part was the fun because yes, we can have all the fun things possible I mean, I can even say, like, I'm doing a ski, hopefully going to get to do a ski trip um, in January, and I'm, I'm taking 28 kids. Of those 28 kids, I can say 10 of them are here on a regular basis. Uh, the rest are like, oh, something flashy, let me do that. And so I can have those fun events to draw them in, but my ultimate goal is to start that relationship with them in the fun event and then move on into that discipling. And it's hard because some students just want to, they're just here to have fun. But for me and my ministry leaders, it's it's bigger than that. I wholeheartedly believe that we are relational beings. Uh, We're created to be in relationship with God and we're created to be in relationship with those around us. And the only way that relationship is going to build is if we are truly diving into what God has called us to do each week. That can be through those fun games. If we can pull it off that way, great, but that's not going to be my main focus of discipling to them. Um, that's going to be across our large group or that's going to be across our small group leaders uh, diving into that subject even more with them. You know, fun's great. I, I love fun. fun. We, we do um, a thing called an extravaganza like once a month and I have two dads who are my game masters and they come up with all of these different fun games. Like last week we did Survivor and that was great. We throw that in, but then the rest of the time, it's, it's about how are we being discipled? How are we growing in our faith each week? So, JJ, I'm really interested in following up a little bit on this critical thinking focus in particular because, you know, growing up right now is it's a challenging time to be a kid and to be both teaching and learning religion for any variety of reasons. There's a certain degree of polarization, you know, in our society right now that creates some additional hurdles and some some additional challenges, both for exploring just about any kind of religious tradition, but also for uh, really kind of grasping on to some of the things that uh, healthy faith tends to be trying to get at. So I'm interested to hear from you how the critical thinking focus that you have has both benefited the kids, but also I can imagine, you know, teaching 
anyone critical thinking skills can create some potential for conflict, right? You know, that you've got, I'm sure, parents who grew up learning and understanding their religious tradition in a particular way uh, who may not have had that critical thinking foundation and so who might be experiencing some unexpected pushback and um, some unexpected reflections that they were not necessarily ready to explore in their own lives. So what have you seen kind of in that arena and in that area? So this has been really fun to deal with here at this church. And it started last semester, we did a Wednesday night Bible study. At the end of each study, we would always have what we called quote unquote real chat time. And that was the point of the Bible study where students could ask me anything and we would discuss it. Um, And in particular, one night, one student said, struggling right now because the things that you're teaching and that you're making me think align with what I learn at school. And so I have about 10 students um, and youth who attend a um, Christian school called Wesleyan Christian Academy. And the Wesleyan theology is similar to the Methodist theology in certain aspects, but in other ways we differ. Um, And so my students have this train of thought of everything is very black and white and only the white can be right and the black cannot. And so for them, they come here as a battle and the parents battle with that as well because they don't wholeheartedly agree with what their students are learning. And so through the critical aspect thinking of it, I have to get them to the point of this is a wrestling thing that you have to do. You're not going to find the answer to your question or problem in a five-minute span. Uh, This is something that you're going to have to go through each week, and some some weeks there's going to be things that I say to you that push against what you're saying um, or maybe ease you into feeling more comfortable in what you believe. But don't settle into that place just yet. Make sure that you've gone through all the necessary steps to get there. Now, that's not as easy as it is said. I haven't had any major pushback from parents on their students think for themselves. I know my wife experienced that in youth ministry where a parent was like, I need you to talk to my kid about sex. I think they're having sex. You need to talk to them. And for her, she was like, well, I don't think you want that because I have them think for themselves and how that aligns with their faith. And that parent automatically gave the pushback of, no, no, no. They don't think for themselves. They do what I tell them to do. And so for, for me, that was a struggle to hear. We, we are all individuals who make up the whole body of Christ, but we all have a different part that we can contribute. And if we all think the exact same way and we can't think outside of our own denomination or our own set of rules, I think we kind of limit who we are, um, who God has truly created us to be. Getting to that place is not easy, being a critical thinker. It's not going to be easy. I have found a good balance between what I teach the students and sharing that with the parents. And that's helped with the curriculum that I'm using now because it it gets the parents involved each week. Um, They know exactly what we're learning and they have follow-up questions that they can talk with their students about. And it, it switches that I'm not the only one making them a critical thinker. It is now happening in the house. The family is now becoming critical thinkers and thinking about how these different subjects line up with their everyday faith journey. And so 
I, I think that's the best way to get to it is secretly sneak the parents into getting in behind your theory or your thoughts of how to get us all to be critical thinkers and not just listen to what is told to us from the pulpit, um, but actually taking some of that knowledge and applying it to our life and trying to live it out each day. Yeah, so um, in my previous context, we did a survey of the congregation about kind of where people like were maturing as disciples, how, how, how folks were growing. And amongst the entire congregation, the like lowest area was like applying what we know. Like they knew a lot, but they hadn't applied a lot, yes. except for when we measured just the youth group, like there actually was higher in applying than it was in what they know. And so like, I thought that was actually a good thing. And so like having a great program for kids like that, that focuses on like deep thinking and, and, and applying what you know, like can make all the difference for the church long-term. I can say that I was probably pushed into the applying what you know because of my own struggle with fighting what God was calling me to do um, and reading uh, Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, where, you know, all of these servants were giving, given a certain amount of talents and they were to go out and do whatever they wanted with it. And, you know, the first two, they went out and they, they doubled it and they invested. But that last one did absolutely nothing, just buried it in the ground. And I'm like, you know, I've been blessed with this calling from God. I have to actually apply that to my actual life. And so that helped me shift my uh, teaching to youth of everything that we're learning. We're not just learning it to learn. For you guys, you didn't go on to divinity school or even further just to not use that. Like you didn't waste your money for nothing. Like you went to get more knowledge so that you could apply it and hopefully help your ministry grow. So why not apply the knowledge that you that you learn to your everyday life? I don't understand why we would want to waste that and just leave it to the side. I actually say that at the start of every Bible study, like when I start a new one, it's just like, I didn't spend $80,000 to not teach you that stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. But just to be clear, Brian, JJ used the word waste $80,000. <laughs> it's a waste either way, according to JJ. Hey guys, Sarah's here. Hey, hey sorry. JJ, it's so good to see your face. It's good to see your face. What oh, are we t- kind of, I'm like ducking it. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are we talking about? What's what's happening? Are we talking about uh, Brian's... Uh, wasting $80,000. <laughs> for mustache hair. <laughs> How did you manage to spend $80,000 at Emory, Brian? Uh, well, that's a combination of my undergraduate graduate and graduate uh, degrees at two private Methodist liberal, uh, well, two private Methodist institutions. Here's my advice for anyone considering seminary. Definitely go, but never, ever leave. You will have the time of your life, but then you will leave and the world will be so disappointing. (laughs) I'm I'm clearly very cynical this afternoon. Well, you know, uh, a good remedy to that is to meet with your friends about once a year in the woods by a river. Um, (laughs) And, you know, just uh, spend time connecting with nature, with the divine and one another. That's a good uh, spiritual recharge. Do that for about three to four days. I I think God is like a tree or like this river. I could use that river to just wash everything away. <laughs> 100%. So for all of our listeners, John, Garrett, Sarah, and I met JJ at the Wild Goose Festival yes. 
in Hot Springs, North Carolina, yeah. uh, because we had mutual friends. Yes. And uh, and it's a fantastic event. We would recommend it to anybody. And yes. we have a very large campsite that has space for everybody. Well, I've come in to derail the conversation from anything practical or useful. <laughs> That's the best way. The best way for me. Let's just talk more about wild goose. I mean, we could. We're we're planning to have like a goose cast, right? Only if they'll let us. Either that, or we're gonna get the Methodists to pay for a tent and then claim the tent for ourselves yes. by planting a flag in it. We'll have to design a podcast flag that will sell. And thousand dollars for a tent. So I'm sure we can pull that off. Yeah. <laughs> so support us on our future Patreon at Logos. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, our Venmo is uh <laughs> just buy a t-shirt or four or six. Just buy an entire wardrobe of, of yeah. our future t-shirts that we're going to eventually put together. Yeah, also listeners, if you know how to make t-shirts, give us a give us a shout. <laughs> anyway, what seriously, what were we talking about? I'm so, so sorry. We were we were talking about youth ministry and uh, like discipling people. And so JJ, I wanna kinda hear about a little bit what you've been doing during COVID. Because yeah. A lot of church has changed since yes. uh, March. So what's <laughs> your ministry like in your context? Yeah, so it has been one hell of a roller coaster. Starting back in March, it automatically just shut down. And so I jumped on the Zoom train and said, okay, I'm still going to connect with my students over Zoom. Um, and it started off really well. Um, we would meet each week on Sundays um, at a normal time, and I invested in a lot of Jackbox.tv games. I would highly suggest these games. Um, you can play in family-friendly mode or non-family-friendly mode. We would start off with a game because I could still get the students connected on that. They just had to play from their phone and watch my screen. And then we would get into our lesson um, and praise the Lord for Zoom having this awesome breakout feature where I could send them into different breakout rooms for their small groups like we were already doing. And so that went really well for about three weeks. Um, and they started getting tired of it. And I said, okay, I'm going to add on a game night. Um, and so like Sundays we would do youth and Thursdays we would do game night where it was just strictly all we did was play games. It was time of fellowship and fun. That kind of helped boost us back up on Sundays and then it died out. Um, and so we took about a month off, a month and a half off and came back for like two studies in August. And then I met with my ministry leaders and said, okay, what we're doing isn't working. And I said, I completely, completely agree with you. We decided that we had to meet in person, uh, whether that was going to be um, in small groups at the different ministry leaders' homes, so we were keeping the group small, or we could meet outside of our church. And so we decided to be on the front lawn of our church, and that was great. We were having a great time. We were able to break off in small groups still. That system went really well until October, uh, but then our church voted to allow indoor meetings to happen with 25 and so I was like, oh, great, we can meet for youth inside. And so what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks is being a large group in our fellowship hall, which I had never done before, a complete different uh, realm of worship for us. Uh, we can have stage design, you know, everybody's socially distanced, but still feels engaged. Um, but then we break off into our small groups. 
but then this past week, our governor came out with a new mandate and uh, decided to leave all numbers the exact same in phase three, except for indoor meetings, he reduced down to 10. And so we are going to meet across four different rooms um, at the same time, because I don't want to meet four different times. Um, and I'm going to, um, to each room um, over Zoom so that we can still connect with each other. It has become a day by day, what is youth ministry going to look like? You know, as I was saying earlier, you know, we're, we're relational beings and I'm a very, I, I like to be in relationship with people. And when that's taking away, that sucks. And it makes youth ministry a little harder, but we're finding ways of connecting with each other. Our college minister has started a new thing called Senior Supper Club, where our seniors um, go to her house for a meal every month. Um, and that's their way of bonding and also helping them transition into college ministry uh, starting next year. Just different ways that we can find connection. Um, you know, whether it's anytime I have a new student, which every week since we started meeting back in person, I've had a new student come to youth. And so I have these awesome little um, cards that I will fill out the day after I meet them and mail them a postcard just saying, hey, thanks for being here. We're so glad that you're here. Hope to see you again. Um, not enough to be pushy, but enough to just say, hey, here, the door is open for you to come back um, and start in those connections. Uh, most of our students live in groups around each other, and so they all connect as well outside of youth. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a play it day by day kind of situation and you find your ways of, uh, of connecting with students, whether that's in person or a phone call or a text message. Yeah, I mean, ministry during COVID has been yeah. different than I'm gonna say any of us were trained to do. And I think that's a great effort and a great attitude towards it of just saying like, it's gonna look different day to day Yes. And just accepting that and yes. then doing what you're allowed to do and what's safe to do. And just as a note all, for all those who are listening, who are not United Methodist, um, every uh, regional United Methodist body, we call them annual conferences, uh, set out different restrictions for what uh, you are allowed to do. So John and Sarah's restrictions are not the same as mine and are not the same as JJ's or not the same as Garrett's. So um that's all uh, something that we have to kind of work around. But it sounds like you're doing a great job at that. Yeah. And, and not being the same across the whole Methodist church makes it a challenge sometimes. My, my church is a very let's get back together type of church, and they're, they're ready to be back together. Um, and it doesn't help that sometimes they'll sneak over to the North Carolina conference if they're going down to the beach and they're like meeting in person. Why can't we meet in person? Or even the church around the corner from us is meeting and they're like, we don't get this. And so for those listening, um, you're not the only ones who don't understand the Methodist church. Uh, the people of the Methodist church don't fully understand it sometimes. That is 100% true. Oh, it makes ministry so much easier. Oh, <laughs> You have to get, you have to spend about $80,000 um, just to get in the ballpark. So. Yes. Um, you know, people don't think that you can't go to church each week. You know, that may, whatever, I didn't go to church. But then when you can't go to church, 
um, it definitely gives you a bigger appreciation um, for all the headaches, especially if you're a minister, the headaches that you deal with of people never liking what you preach about or what you sing in worship or how the altar looks. Um, sometimes you miss that a, a little bit, but just just a little bit. Um, once it happens again, you're kind of like, okay, I didn't really miss this. So. You know, if I didn't know any better, I'd think none of you like church people. <laughs> we were church people at some point in our lives. I guess we still are. You know, I can say that I don't like church people. <laughs> but I love church people. Oh, <laughs> nice. There I don't have to like them, but I do have to love them. <laughs> I love church people. That's that's the applying your faith part, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Is there something in there about loving your enemies? <laughs> you know, sometimes it's like, man, Jesus, like you put us into this corner where like we have to love our neighbors. We have to love our enemies. We're, <laughs> you didn't really give us any leeway not to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there, is there an, a third option? I need a third option. <laughs> like or at least a bulleted list of like how to do this yes, uh, in yes. all situations. Hmm? Yeah, uh, my folks are, you know, like everyone else's, they're really hurting to come back. And we've started in-person worship about a month and a half ago, two months ago. But, you know, we, we set limits and boundaries and, and we did everything in our, in our due diligence to make sure everyone was safe when we gathered together. So um, some folks want things, want our restrictions to be lifted a little bit more. And then we have uh, a pretty good group of folks that are just not coming because they don't feel comfortable. So they've been joining us online, um, either live or throughout or throughout the week. So yeah, it's, it's hard to, to adjust and receive feedback, but also at the same time, you kind of get to flex some muscles in your brain that you wouldn't necessarily get to flex. So like, you know, different types of problem solving for things you would never consider. Like in a small corner of my heart that I don't often share with people. Um, so I'm going to share it on the internet, um, on a podcast. I appreciate the ability to uh, learn new skill sets in this season. They're not easy skills to learn, but I'm appreciative of the 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 new ways to connect with people as well. So again, it's sort of a really tangible way for me to identify like ministry across the board is changing, but people are still looking to be loved by God um, to, to find a purpose in life. Um, and so we have to sometimes say, we've never done this before, but we're going to try it. Um, and, and COVID has, has definitely made that necessary rather than just a few folks in the room um, preaching that out and, you know, yelling from the back of the room. <laughs> so. I, I will say that you, you hit on a, a key point, what youth ministry is really about. And I'll have to give credit to uh, Mark Ostriker for this, um, who, if you don't know him, he's a big youth guru with the youth cartel. Um, and I did a cohort with him. Um, and his big thing for youth ministry is uh, students want to know that they have a purpose and they want to know that they belong. And for my students, they are, COVID really helped them get to that point of knowing like, I have a purpose 
um, of being here in this world and I belong somewhere. And that's why they're kind of like, let's meet in person, let's be here because this is where they feel like they belong. They feel loved, they feel appreciated. And I think COVID is making the whole church shift to that place where, you know, where we've been preaching that the whole time, like, yes, everyone belongs here. Everyone needs to be loved. It was harder for people to see that because maybe it's something they were taking for granted. It's a slow shift that has been much needed, but it's a step in the right direction. JJ, I have a follow-up. So it's my, you know, experience that a lot of churches really struggle with kind of connecting with younger people. Yes. And I think COVID has highlighted uh, the necessity to do that. So what are some things that might help churches to get started in building better relationships with younger people? Yeah. So uh, my first thing to say on that would be um, youth ministry are not, you students are not your slaves. They're not there to just cover the grunt work that you don't want to do. Um, so please like the humans that they are who are also growing alongside of you in your faith. Um, but one thing that I have learned is um, that I put into making relationships with my students. I also have to do with the older people in our church so that I can be a bridge between the two. And so uh, we have lots and lots of circles for y'all who don't know, circles are just basically, all of ours are different lady groups who just meet each week to um, enjoy each other's company. And some of, our, some of ours lead in a lot of our mission work. But we have found ways that we can connect in those missions across the whole church. And so what we're doing now, and I cannot remember the name of it, but it involves a green bag. And basically... You take that bag home and you fill it up with different canned food items and you sit it on your porch and then somebody comes by to pick it up and deliver it to the local food shelter. And so what our circles have done is they have said, okay, we've got to get our students involved more with the overall church. And so now we're partnering together um, in order to collect those bags. And so, you know, it's like an adult and two kids will go out and that gives them the chance to bond and learn about each other, but they're also serving the overall church together. And so I think the best way to do it is not to look for some big gesture of how to get the older church involved with the younger church. Um, use those small little stepping stones to um, show that just because our ages are different doesn't mean that our faith journey is completely separate. Like we're all on a path together um, and we're all here to do ministry together. We can't do it separate and we can't let age divide us in that whole aspect of living out what we're called to do. So just finding those small steps, uh, small activities that you can use to come together and build in ministry. So do you see any major differences in worldview between, say, the oldest members of your church and then your youth members as they're learning some of these critical thinking skills and learning to really kind of uh, begin to sort of journey on their own in terms of exploring faith and religion? Yes. Things that bother older adults, not even on our radar for my youth. I'm trying to... Politics. You know, my, the older people in my church, like, that is the dividing thing of our church. And, like, we were like, if a certain candidate got elected president, our church couldn't survive. 
and we're not going to make it if that person is like, oh, okay, my youth could care less about that, could care about the individual who you are and how you respect and treat them. They don't care if you're, you're gay. They don't care if you're black. They don't care if you're Hispanic. They don't care if you're not from America. All they care about is you as the individual. And that has been such a shift for me because I was, I felt like when I was growing up, I was kind of in between those issues did matter to me only because my parents were pushing them onto me to matter to me. But then there was also the side of me that was like, so why does it matter? Like, how is that affecting my life personally? Like, how is that distracting my life? Like, I can, I can continue to move on. And so some of these worldviews, they're baffled while we argue about them. And I feel like the younger generation is truly living out, love your neighbor as yourself, because they don't see it any different. I find that to be amazing and scary at the same time because they are in a church that is predominantly this older generation that is like, nope, this is what it's going to be. And we're going to talk about these things and you're going to believe it this way. It, I can do all that I can, but I can't nurture these students alone. It takes the whole church. And so it gets a little scary sometimes when older worldviews are getting pushed onto the students because in that point, they're like, I'm leaving. And so trying to figure out how to balance that, um, it is something we as a staff wrestle with every day of how do you get students to stay when they're getting forced something else at them? So it's a struggle uh, trying to find that balance, but you got to help students realize that the way that they're thinking is the way that we're all eventually going to get to. You've just got to stick through it. Um, you're going to have to stick through some crap just to get through it and suffer just so that we all can be better. you got to lay the stepping stones for those behind you so that their world is a little easier in growing in faith. Yeah, I really appreciate what you're saying, uh, in part because I've seen a lot of folks that have a lot of trouble distinguishing between a kind of um, what they view, I think, as a religious purity, quote unquote, mm -hmm. But in reality, it's just more of a, a desire to preserve uh, a particular kind of culture and yes. a particular way of doing things. And there are just these little pet peeves that pop up for different people and they manifest in different kinds of ways that then become points of conflict where where people just kind of they, they just they don't quite jibe in the way that they should. And it, and it creates division and rifts and ultimately um, I think often severs a lot of people from the faith experience because that faith experience has been defined by their elders as a very particular kind of cultural experience that doesn't necessarily work with either their experience in the real world or alternatively who they are as people. And so what was originally a journey and a way to learn how to live becomes just a very sort of narrow, very strict way of being in the world that, you know, may have, you know, run its course. And John, uh, just to add to that, and a lot of times in our local churches, like those cultural things have like very little to do with Jesus. And I think that's, that's just about right. Yeah, I can say a lot of the struggle comes from what I try to work my students into thinking, and that comes from uh, James chapter 1, verse 19. Uh, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. 
being people who listen to understand and not listen to respond. My biggest thing is when we're when we're talking about these things that we differ on, are we listening to respond? Or are we listening to understand? And I feel like we are living in a ministry sometimes where we are just ready to respond and we're ready to defend our thing and we're going to push what we believe on to each other instead of understanding that perspective of it. We can differ. It's okay to differ in opinion, but you have to understand where that other person is coming from in order for your overall ministry to continue together um, and not be this big division. It's a, it's a crazy world to think like that our only purpose is to make somebody believe or live life the way that we live life instead of how can our two separate lives live together? You know, I think marriage is a great test of that. Me and my wife are completely different. She is type A and I'm type Z. And we have found how to make our, our lives come together. And, you know, she has gotten a little lax on some things and lets me slide by. And I've tried to step my game up some. And so maybe I'm getting up to like a, I'm a type W, but, you know, we find our ways of coming together and, and living life. And I think we have to do that in the church as well, whether we are 13 years old or we're 95 years old. We've got to understand that our circumstances are different in the life that we're living. I can't say that I have the same experience as somebody who is 95 years old. They've, they've lived through a lot of different things and, you know, culture was different for them and how they applied their faith to that. Um, but they also have to understand that the culture is different for me now at 28 and I have to apply my faith to the way that I'm experiencing culture now. And how do we bring those experiences together to make a better world for everyone? Something we learned from childhood, how to listen. And there always seems to be a, a drop off of like those very basic things about being polite and manners that um, sort of struck me one day is like, you know, people aren't listening to each other. They're not saying please and thank you. They're like, I remember sitting in circle time, right? And we weren't allowed to go to stations because two kids cut in a tiff and started like calling each other's names. And like, it just reminded me of like, you know, these were like some of the first things we were taught. Those lessons, not necessarily are lost, but they just need to be updated and taught in a way that like uh, for people to think through like different situations in their in their lives as well. So we weren't taught about, you know, Democrats and Republicans in circle time or whatever issue that is much more complex. But some of those basic things just need to be like refreshed Mm-hmm. again so back to that applying it to our everyday lives like you, you have to apply the things that you learn but you also can't forget the things that you were taught because they will help you in a bigger scenario eventually yeah. you may not be able to see that now kindergarten it's good for you yes <laughs> so do we have any more questions for jj no i think i think he's got the right the what right is the meaning of life Ooh, uh 42 very good Douglas Adams answer. <laughs> Technically, 42 is the meaning to life, the universe, and everything. And my trivia team a few weeks ago decided not to write down life, the universe, and everything and got that question wrong. So that was beware. My fault. We just said life. I said life, the universe, and everything. I know you did. Yes. But we didn't <laughs> want to write all that down. It was a lot to write. <laughs> I'm still sore about this. 
I could tell. We only had like a four minute span of time, right, for that that song to end. I'm deeply bitter. Speaking of John's bitterness, uh, JJ, what's bringing you joy right now? Oh, bringing me joy right now is tough, but it will have to be the show, Madam Secretary. I'm watching through it for the third time, and there is just something about that show that's so calming. She just handles things, handles these countries, and tells them how it's going to be, and things work, and it makes me feel good. So that's my joy right now. Ooh, yeah. I want to watch that. I'm only watching it because I finished The Good Place, which the episode on The Good Place that y'all said was fantastic. <laughs> good Place, I, I cried when it ended. Like it, We all it just, did. It ended too soon. I needed more. I needed more. That's how we're going to test if people are robots in the future, is we're going to make them watch The Good Place, and if they oh. weep at the end, yes. they can be people. <laughs> yes. Oh. So, John and Sarah, what about you? What's giving so, you joy? Usually I have some kind of dumb answer, but this week, <laughs> um, for the class I'm taking at Candler, um, we had to read uh, Wilda Gaffney's Womanist Rid- uh, Midrash, and it was fantastic if you have not read this book and you were at all interested in the hebrew bible this book is fantastic it reads uh, just easily but it's still really interesting engaging and it just I, I love it so that's what's brought me joy this week my eno hammock arrived today and so i am one step closer to disappearing in, into nature and becoming a hermit for the rest of my days Nice, I can definitely see that. If you guys want to come hang out with me in Hot Springs while John hikes the Appalachian Trail, <laughs> let me know. I'm sorry, could you say that trail name one more time? Did I say Appalachian? Y- you did. Is that wrong? That's Appalachian? Right. Appalachian. What? I don't know. Fact checker Brian? <laughs> he's going to say it wrong because he's from Virginia. They say it wrong there. Okay, so... Okay. I'm gonna try. As our official fact checker, I'm not gonna disparage our guest. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's fine. Appalachian. Uh, you know, like lives there. Like. Yeah. Really. Let's not get between the mountain people and their pronunciation uh, <laughs> <laughs> of anything. Really. <laughs> God's wrath cool. will come swiftly down the mountain. <laughs> Garrett, what's giving you life right now? Oh boy. Uh, well, uh, I, my wife uh, is lovely. Uh, she is so lovely and wonderful. But and I love her so much. <laughs> she brought me dinner this evening. So that is giving me a whole bunch of joy. And uh, we've been cooking the Hello Fresh meals. Uh, we're not sponsored by them. So, <laughs> you know, hopefully one day. Sponsor John. John's going to be our sponsor guy. Uh, you know, get on that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was just really, it was just really awesome and a, a surprise. And I did not expect it during the recording. Aww. So what about you, Brian? You haven't shared yet. So as uh, JJ brought up a few moments ago, uh, I set up my Christmas tree before Thanksgiving. And I have enjoyed sitting in my new house with my Christmas tree up because I can. You should be ashamed of yourself. No, Brian, tell John that we need to go get a Christmas tree right now. They have them at Lowe's. You need to go get a Christmas tree. You do. A liturgically correct advent tree in anticipation. (laughs) Um, So I decided that in the midst of COVID, I think this might be the one year that 
I may have to ask Jesus for forgiveness for just skipping Advent and not caring. He probably has bigger concerns right now. You know, uh, we're going to have two Christmas trees this year just because uh, uh, I have no say in my house. And we already have one of them up. So, um, again, I will have to go uh, to uh, God's throne in penance to uh, ask forgiveness for, for Advent as well. So we should probably point out at this point that next week is, in fact, Thanksgiving, and this seems as good a time as any to announce that we will be taking a break next week, so if no episode drops and you come and check us out, uh, there's a reason we are off the air, and it's not because we've run out of money, time, and patience for podcasting. We will be back the following week. Thank you guys so much for joining us, JJ. It's been a pleasure. We love talking to you. We'll look forward to having you back on sometime. Yeah, enjoyed it. Definitely a fun time. Thanks, JJ. Hey guys, this is John. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Logos Ish. This week's music was by Audionautics.com. If you have any questions or thoughts, or if you'd like to have your music featured on the podcast, be a guest on the podcast, or suggest a topic for us to cover, send us an email to logosishpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at logosishpod or any other number of social media sites. Please like, subscribe, and review wherever you downloaded this podcast. That helps us get the word out about all the other stuff that we're working on, and we'd love to hear your feedback as well. Have a great week.